Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast. Does hybrid work result in a two-tiered workforce? My name is Brian Allen, and I'm a professor in the School of Business at North Central University. Today, I'm joined by Henry Kurkowski, author of Remote Work Technology, Keeping Your Small Business Thriving Anywhere. Today, our discussion will focus on current trends in hybrid work and the two-tier workforce. Welcome, Henry, and thanks so much for taking time to come and chat. Hey, Brian, I appreciate you inviting me to come talk with you. Excellent. Uh, Henry, would you uh, get us started and tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, hey, I've um, been working uh, in the virtual environment the past 20 years. I've co-founded a number of uh, software-based companies, cloud-based companies, um, managed Wi-Fi, digital communications. I designed them from the get-go to be virtual. Uh, so we have our, our call centers are in Idaho, our servers are housed in New York, and the people who manage them are out there, our um, accounting is in Orlando. Uh, I work out between Indianapolis and Key West going back and forth. And you know, we also extend that remote management to all of our customers across the U.S. Uh, manage, we manage Wi-Fi for businesses uh, as a customer engagement tool as a digital engagement tool for uh, tenants, um, for uh, uh, residents and apartment communities. And ev again, everything is, is virtual, cloud-based. And when we saw what was happening with the shutdowns, um, we saw that a lot of companies were struggling because a lot of companies were not designed to go virtual all of a sudden. And many small businesses especially didn't have any kind of remote capability. So when the shutdowns happened, we saw all the news of what was going on. It it causes a great deal of stress, and we you know we on our customer base we helped people where we could, um, and uh, but we I, I I felt that there was a greater need, and that I was uh, very glad when Wiley had approached me uh, about writing uh, this book on remote work technology. Excellent. Um, yeah, as a as a serial entrepreneur, I've seen a, a good deal of that in, in supporting uh, companies. So I totally understand that. Um, in your book, uh, you describe ways to increase organizational productivity through remote workers and way leaders can support remote, remote workers since they don't see them in person. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, again, going back to you know, when the shutdowns happened, there were, and in the news, there was a lot of stories of people struggling with remote work from, from the employees to the employers. And, you know, we saw things, stories of isolation, Zoom fatigue, um, and, you know, people, things that were being done poorly from a technology standpoint, as well as a managerial standpoint. It was interesting that, uh, you know, when I interviewed executives from across the country in the middle of the uh, shutdowns, their first reactions were to, and it's a, it's a human reaction, is to everybody get your nose to the grindstone. Um, and everybody needs to work as hard as they can until we're through this crisis. That, again, is a human reaction, but unfortunately, it produced the feelings of isolation. It enhanced the burnout that people found because not only was it an, an impact of suddenly being separated from uh, their other team members, but also the psychological impact of what was happening around the world. So the added pressure uh, to keep working as hard as you can 
created a a funk within these people and and led to some of the isolation and burnout that they were experiencing on top of everything they were experiencing from the pandemic. Um, you know, so it was important to me as a technology driven person to help people where they could with the technology, but also understand the psychology of why it should be used in a certain way and the impacts that it has on people if it's used in the wrong way. Because we have to, I discussed Maslow's tiers of, uh, of needs in there and how people can suddenly, when they get separated from one section, they can feel like they're not being appreciated and they go to look for another tribe that will appreciate them. And that's where you're also seeing, you know, signs from the great resignation, people with their less, having a lower satisfaction of where they are with their team. So they go look for another team to be happier with. And it, again, it's from a poor use of technology and the management styles that needed to change, thinking that their in-person management styles could be easily transposed to the remote management styles and you know, seeing people, seeing the work being done, translated to them monitoring apps instead of going to flexibility and more trust. So you saw a poor way of using technology and management styles drive people away and drive isolation. And so that's what I was trying to help prevent with the book. And I, I think it, the way it's laid out and the way that we discuss why we use technology a certain way really helps make a difference in helping create an environment where there's flexibility, trust, and transparency. Excellent. Um, so, you know, obviously we've we've had a little time under our belt, and so I, I guess the the kind of the next question was, you know, how has the nearly I guess we're two years of work from home altered how employees and employer attitudes are about where, when, and how work is done? How have those how have those changed? Well, you know, it's the management styles really did change. Uh, again, speaking to the uh, the executives that I spoke to across the country, when they were in the middle of the shutdowns, you know, I asked them, "What would you be? What would you do different if you had to do it over again?" And the overwhelming response was the same: that they would lead with more empathy, that they would lead, you know, they 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 would be more aware they would be more open and they would listen more because they needed to understand that everybody was struggling um it was something new to uh everybody you know around the world but also with their management styles again you know trying seeing the in person all the time it, there were still a great deal of people who wanted to see and they, and they still are butts and seats from 9 to 5 you know, and that's, you know, it's kind of a uh, a mentality of almost like when in those movies you see in the 50s with pools of secretaries and the management are in a glass booth looking down on everybody so they can visually see work being done and people know that they're being watched. And there are still too many people thinking that way. And we're seeing uh, companies calling people back to the office forcefully. Um, and, at, at, you know, there's some of them are being smart about it. They're saying, Hey, you have to be in at least three days a week. You can work remotely the other days, but there's too many people that are demanding them come in and it's driving people away because we saw what flexibility 
and empathy can do and improve uh, the employee experience and the quality of work that comes out of the employees. So, you know, we're seeing a snap back to wanting to see people with butts and seats between nine to five. And, but, you know, on the other hand, a, a great number of organizations have really leaned into a work from anywhere flexibility and that mindset. Uh, seeing higher employee satisfaction has a great deal of impact on the quality of work that's being done and on employee retention. And of course, you know, the happier the employees are, the the better their relationships with the clients are going to be. Uh, so it's it's we're seeing a, a nice, an interesting mix of people trying to go back to what they considered are, is normal um, and force other people to go back to what to how they envision normalcy and other people who are leaning into this opportunity to create something great and new. Yeah, you, you actually touched on a couple of things that I think are really important. That for me, and this is maybe my personal um, uh, modus operandi, but I have always uh, focused on this idea that you you lead people and you manage thing and things. And when you begin to manage people and then hope to lead things you have things out of balance and i think that's i think that's re you really kind of touched on that in a strong way um what would you identify as the key ways uh work from home employees help small businesses to thrive and then i kind of follow up with that is are there some specific drawbacks that need greater attention or have not yet been addressed well you know it it, it falls to me that Employees are the best advocates and the best marketing tool of any small business. And when the employees are enthusiastic about the company they work for and they believe in the work that the company is doing, they want to tell people about it. Uh, so the, the happier they are, the, the better their the employee experience, the better it is for the company, the better it is for the customers. I mean, it, it's a, this is, it's a beautiful life cycle that goes back and forth. So if, you can find talented people, but they want to work remotely and they can do their jobs remotely. Let that happen. Let Stop fighting that tie. At, at the end of the day, employees, whether they're in office or remote, they're brand ambassadors. They are the best recruitment team for new talent, for retaining that talent and bringing in new customers. And, you know, I, I honestly, I can't think of any drawbacks for a small business other than for those who are still not accustomed to managing a workforce that they can't see in person every day. Um, there's uh, still a lot of managers who have to fight the urges to fall backwards into the management styles where they measure productivity by having butts and seats for a set number of hours a day. And and that's something that, you know, it's a lesson that we've learned, but it's it's still really hard to get rid of those old habits. Yeah, I totally agree with, uh, you know, the, the, the challenge there with habits is that, um, they may or may not be good ones, right? And so from a management and leadership perspective, those, those habits may be, uh, detrimental in the long run. They can be positive, obviously, but they can be detrimental. Um, so some are concerned with the return to the physical workplace and that hybrid work will alienate virtual workers. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, and, and that's something that uh, I also discussed in the book with, with some of the executives and how they were already planning ahead of time in, you know, in the middle of uh, 2021, when they would go back to having both remote and 
in-person employees. Um, you know, they were starting to hire people remotely, knowing that they may never meet these people. And that was a first for a lot of people. You know, they were out of state and it, they had to think of how do we keep everybody on one team? And it's important that companies change their policies to intentionally prevent any type of distance bias or any kind of perception that there are two teams of workers. That means creating a mindset that is digital first and how things are being done. So treat everything like it was being done digitally and remotely. If they don't do this with incredible intention, they will end up creating a perception that there are those who are inside the company and those who are work outside the company and are looking in. It, it instantly creates, even if it's a perception of a them and an us. And whatever label you slap on it, uh, two-tiered or, or what have you, having a second-class citizen is never a good thing for any yeah, organization. Totally agree there. Um, why, why do you think there is a concern about that two-tiered workforce, and what do you think it means, or what are the implications for that? Well, you know, it again, going back to human nature, there's a camaraderie that comes naturally when working in the trenches side-by-side side with somebody on your team. Uh, you know, there's that the knowing looks you can make, you know, the, the, the you know little elbow jabs, things like that, that you can't do with people who are, you know, remote all the time. Um, and, you know, it's it's part of human nature to feel closer to those that we see in person on a regular basis. With hybrid workspaces, those feelings may be the cause of unintentional biases. So we need to, again, think with a digital first mindset and not given to the reactions of bias that we may have as old habits. Now, people who work fully remotely should be given the same pay rate as those in-office employees, and they should be given equal consideration for promotions and career advancement, not just, hey, you know, because I see this person all the time, we've created a, a bit more than, you know, a, a, a stronger connection, a stronger friendship. You can't just give it to those people because you see them all the time. And that's what people fear. And a lot of um, Gen Z had reported that they had thought that, or they have the perception that they have missed out on promotions. They have missed out on career advancement because they've been working remotely when they feel that FaceTime and being in person adds value to their career path. And so we have to make a very intentional from the, top of the company all the way down to uh, the lowest levels of management and supervisors to every day make sure that we are not subconsciously creating any idea that there are two teams of people. Uh, it, everybody has to be held equally accountable as well as, you know, as, as well as being seen at basically measured by productivity not by who's in the office and not who's out of the office. So if we go to a productivity-based model of, uh, of seeing how people, the quality of work that's being done, that's where we want to be. That's the goal. So if you, um, if you don't mind, let me ask maybe a, a, an odd question here, but technology seems to be a differentiator in, cre in creating a two-tier approach, right? So those who work remote sometimes feel that they are disadvantaged by the by technology. How can that be addressed to avoid that, um, where there's an appropriate equal uh, 
technology support. How would you address that? Well, and um, it was interesting. One of the uh, people I interviewed in the book, uh, Leslie Murphy, one of the things that she said really struck me uh, when thinking ahead of when you know we uh, are back to in office, you know, in a, in a hybrid model. One of the pol- it, it, we have to change how our policies work in communication, how we communicate with each other, because communication is key to everything, to the clarity, to transparency. One of the things that she was implementing is um, previously when they had remote employees and they had in-office employees, you know, b- before the shutdowns, uh, all the people who were in the office would gather into the conference room for a meeting, and then those people who were outside of the office would be on a video monitor or a polycom device, you know, conference uh, room device. And so everybody, you would have a, a distinct impression of, hey, there's people who are here in the office and there's people outside the office. So what she has done is she has changed the policy so that even when they go back to having people in the office, when they do have meetings that include everybody who remote workers and in-office employees, everybody will take the meeting from their desk so that it dissolves the illusion that, hey, everybody in the office are grouped together, and then all these separate people are separate on their own. Uh, By everybody doing it from their own desk, we go back to an equality and the the real semblance of everybody's on an an even tier. Excellent. Um, I like that idea. Um, So what would you say are the top three strategies organizations should consider to avoid a two-tier workforce. Now, I know that's putting a little pressure to give you just three, but what would you think are the top top three? Well, one, I would say, you know, create policies that lead with a digital first way of working, um, just like what, what, what Leslie Murphy did with her group, uh, with, with meetings I just talked about. Um, so this will make it so that regardless of where you work, in office or out of office, that the work can still be done equally as well. So think in a mind, create your policy. So, you know, you may be in the office on Thursday, but you know, you'll be out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So create a workflow and policies where that is, that enables that kind of work to be done. Because again, there there may be people who never come into the office. Um, Also create avenues for FaceTime and increase visibility for, for fully and partially remote workers have open office hours, ha- uh, make sure that people can be seen and get that, that visibility that the, uh, you know, Generation Z and millennials and other people have been uh, feeling it has been holding them back with remote work. They, they want to be seen outside of just meetings. So you need to create opportunities for that, for that kind of social settings, for open hours so that people may, and make sure that people can come to management and leadership of any level and ask questions. Um, I'll create avenues where they have mentorship with people on higher ups so that these people who may never be in the office can get equal time with people who are in the office. Um, and, and most importantly, actively solicit feedback feedback, and then act on that feedback. Um, there, there's no good in getting good information from people if you don't use it. You know, it, uh, knowledge not you knowledge had not used is, is worthless. Um, you know, by actively soliciting feedback constantly, this is a preventative measure that will allow minor course correcting along the way, so you don't need to make major navigational changes in management or policy. So just little tweaks here and there, but constantly 
solicit feedback from everybody and how things are going after a project. Hey, what can be done better? Yeah, I love that approach. Um, the it's the key. It's kind of that key component of you want to encourage an innovative organization, but then when people provide ideas that are innovative, they get no response, and so therefore you kill innovation. So I think they're, you're right on, on target there. And it not only kills innovation, it kills enthusiasm. Nobody wants to be in any kind of a relationship where they feel they are not being heard. At the end of the day, this is about relationships. You know, we as company leaders, we have a lot of responsibility in our hands. We're holding these people's careers in our hands. We're holding their livelihoods in their hands. How we impact them on a daily basis impacts how they impact their home life, how they impact those around them. So, you know, again, nobody wants to be in a relationship where they feel that they're not being heard because not being heard means that you're not being appreciated. And people go where they feel appreciated. They leave relationships where they're not being appreciated. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Well, thank you very much. Those have been very insightful. So um, in closing, do you have any additional insights that you would share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, it, this is still an uncertain time for both employees and employers. Um, we need to move away from the mindset of feeling that we need to see workers in the week and the work that's being done. Um, the, the That the work is being done is quality work from well-engaged employees who are enthusiastic about the work that they do is what is important. That's the goal that managers and company leaders should be striving for. You know, the, the future of work is based in the employee experience. We have an unprecedented opportunity to remake the workplace across the board into something that meets everyone's goals and makes that experience something that people want to come in and be a part of each day. So let's not waste this opportunity. Let's align employees' career goals, professional goals, alongside company goals, and be open and honest about what each wants from that relationship and move forward that way with enthusiasm and trust. That's, that's, that's what we should be striving for. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today, and we want to thank you for supporting the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. Uh, we appreciate your insights, and we hope that our listeners enjoy it and that they'll benefit from your experience. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you.